What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabron, and I'm here with... Steve, hope everyone's doing well. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, but we always like to start with what we've been playing. But Steve, let me know what you've been playing. Yeah, so uh, a, a small change-up, really. Uh, up here in the Northeast, we got hit with a storm a week oh, ago. Yeah. Uh, took out my internet, Damn. and uh, I uh, just actually got it back yesterday. Um, it also let me find out that if your Xbox is not connected to the internet, Doesn't even work. though your life, it, your Game Pass games yeah. will not play. Yeah. So, uh, which was, you know, sucks because I, I was really looking into playing uh, Psychonauts 2 on release day. Had it preloaded, didn't work. Um, I did end up using my hotspot on my phone to connect to it uh, late because it it's something that came to my mind uh, way late. So, I've played... A mix of Psychonauts 2. I want to say, in total, I've only played about four hours of Psychonauts 2. I'm a huge Psychonauts fan. Yeah. Uh, I've always loved that series. Um, again, because the Xbox was so shut off, uh, quick shout-out to xCloud. I played, like, the first two hours completely on my phone. Oh, wow. Um, with touchscreen uh, controls, because I don't have a... I mean, I could sync one of my Bluetooth controls to it, but I don't have, like, one of those, like, grips or a backbone or anything like that to it. So, just kind of played it touchscreen, and... I'll be honest, it was working great. Um, a little complicated when you have to like hold one trigger to do another thing because you got to rearrange the touchscreen, but it worked really well. Um, and I, I'm really surprised that like update after update, the xCloud works even better. Um, and it covered this situation for me. Um, then I did eventually get home, hotspotted my phone, came, you know, I finally popped it. The idea popped into my head to hotspot my phone to connect to the internet on my Xbox just enough so I can activate all my Game Pass games. Um, and I played about another hour or so there. And uh, what a, I, I know people are praising this game like it's like the craziest, greatest platform ever. And I'm not taking any of that away from it. I am infatuated with this game. I, can't, I completely love it. It picks up right where uh, not only where the first one left off, but the VR game that came out, which was uh, in between the two games, um, actually is canon, I guess. Um, and it picks up right away, gives you your abilities from the first one really quickly. Um, it's great to have all the voice actors back, or at least most of them. Um, and anyone who isn't voiced by the original sounds pretty much the same. So it's great to be back in this universe. But some of the stuff seems to also be, and I don't know if it's just how early I am, but it's like kind of retreading familiar territory, which is why these Double Fine games sometimes I always feel like don't need a sequel. Um, is because a lot of them almost hit a one-time deal, a one-time, I, I don't want to use the word gimmick, but the feel of a game. So when you're kind of talking about the mind and, and you know, that's all Psychonauts is about mind and powers and stuff like that. It's almost too familiar, but it's also trying to reintroduce themes that we've played because the game is trying to be open to newcomers, uh, which I think is kind of an issue. It's, it's trying to distance itself, but also have, like, Easter eggs landed in there. So for the people who played the first one, where I really want them to be like, well, listen, go play the first one and then play this one. Um, I don't know why they would do this sort of half step where it's like, we well, don't really need to play the first one, um, especially when the first one's so playable. I mean, it's the PS2 Classics on PlayStation. Uh, the first one is on Xbox. It's on Game Pass, so they're both on Game Pass. There's no reason not to play the first one. But it's a fun little platformer there, so I, I will give it that. Um, all the other stuff I was kind of playing through Game Pass uh, kind of, again, was locked away, so I didn't get to play too much. Um, but I did go back to my Switch, and I'm replaying the no more heroes uh games because the third one just came out um haven't purchased it yet but i'm replaying through the first one again i, I played it when it first came out to the switch again 
a while ago. I remember talking about it on here. Um, and still just really like that game. I like the vibe of it. I like how quirky and almost busted it feels. Uh, the controls are still a little wonky. You know, uh, invisible walls still kind of bother me. Um, when you're fighting certain bosses in a tight stage, uh, like a pillar will have like this big sort of hitbox, so you're like stuck on nothing. So, which is kind of it's hard when you're trying to dodge and roll back and do all this crazy maneuvers with Travis to really get the abilities. But I'm really excited to really see because I'm hoping to play, beat the first one, beat the second one, play the spinoff, and then hopefully jump into No More Heroes three. So I guess I'm really doing a No More Heroes three playthrough. And uh, just to really see how this series evolved and didn't evolve. Because the few reviews and sort of thoughts I've seen, people are kind of saying it's uh, more No More Heroes. And not in a bad way, but in a sense where the series didn't really evolve. So I'm curious to see what that really looks like. So that's uh, that's all I've really been playing. Uh, very few other things. Uh, I'm just dabbling in a few other things. Cleaning up uh, some trophies and other games. Um, I installed the Ghost of Tsushima uh, update in DLC, but I have not gotten to it because there was a weird, I think it's a weird way to upload your save from your PS4 version to your PS5 version. It only brought my new game plus file over, so I have to beat the first act before I can get to Iki Island and everything like that, so I will have more thoughts on that, I guess, uh, later on, just because uh, it's unfortunately locked <laughs> for me, unless I go back and install it on my PS4 which I'm still trying to figure out the save system, but I thought, why not just beat the first act? It's not that crazy uh, regardless. So that's all I really had my hands in uh, this week uh, as I survived the storm over here. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, what have, you, uh, what have you been playing? Okay, cool. So, yeah, I have quite a bit, some overlap with you as well, but I kind of moved through them. Uh, so starting, I also kind of dabbled with Psychonauts 2. Um mm -hmm. I come from obviously a very different perspective uh, than you do. You're like the super fan. I didn't play it until maybe about a year ago or so uh, for the first time. And I quite enjoyed it. I, I respected how much it held up. And it's a lot of those kind of like early Xbox games are just like really impressive. Kind of the, the fidelity and how much they clean up well uh, being brought forward. I really was like just fascinated by the art style and the design of the characters. And just this kind of like weird... I don't know how to even describe it. It's like a grimy <laughs> Tim Burton aesthetic. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But I like it, and, <laughs> it and it, it's pretty cool. And so the biggest thing with Psychonauts 2, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to sit here and play through the whole thing, but I want to, at the very least, uh, one thing, see how they're able to translate that art style to the modern day, because, again, we're, we're jumping multiple generations here. Uh, so going from the base Xbox to... Uh, Series X, I'm like, I want to see how they take mm -hmm. advantage of this, not only kind of in a visual perspective, but also on a gameplay perspective. How does it feel? Uh, is this spectacle any like grander? Like, wh what are we doing here? Um, and I have to commend them that they kept it incredibly faithful. Uh, and then I was really impressed by that. That if you went to Psychonauts 1 and then jumped into Psychonauts 2, they found a way to not only uh, make it feel very faithful where you'd be like, oh yeah, this is definitely feels like a sequel, but at the same time, it doesn't feel as dated as I was concerned about it feeling. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. yeah the controls are clean. Uh, it was running really, really well. I didn't experience any kind of technical issues whatsoever. And somehow the art style was exactly the same, but just way sharper. And I thought that was really, really awesome. And um, 
Yeah, no, that that's the biggest thing where it's like the small things like the facial textures are like super high fidelity even though like the the design of the face is so overly like cartoony. So it, it's just a I think they did a really really awesome job, but I I'm very early and I don't know if I've even passed like the hour and a half mark yet. Um so I don't have a lot to report on that regard, but I love the way they kind of started it off and kind of advanced those characters ever so slightly um, and kind of just put them in these weird predicaments and situations and uh, all that dark imagery and stuff like that. It's just yeah. it, was, it was kind of refreshing because, again, it's one of those things that artistically we do not get games like that at all anymore. Uh, so for, to be able to see a game like this get a sequel is just awesome and i, and I want to support it just kind of by proxy of it existing i just love that an idea mm -hmm. despite my thoughts on the franchise uh in and of itself next i was finally able to jump in to the writer's republic uh beta so i had signed up and missed <laughs> stupidly the first beta for the people who signed up uh because i got multiple emails about it and i just i wasn't checking my emails so by the time i checked it out i had missed it i was like oh crap that sucks but then i found out i was like wait it's open for everybody right now and it just happened to close yesterday on the 28th and so i was like okay this is my last day so i downloaded onto my ps5 and i ran and i played it and oh my god i love it so much like it i love it it's perfect perfect or okay i wouldn't say perfect but it's exactly what i was hoping it was gonna be and i will have to give them credit that you remember we had a lot of questions on how this was going to technically perform and how accurate the um trailer was going to be or not even the trailer but the kind of like tech demo uh feature that they did when they unveiled mm -hmm. the game and no they're actually pulling it off like you can see um, kind of icons of just dozens of other players flying and doing bikes all around you i was going down a hill uh, on a bike and right kind of went past me was a snowboarding like race but they don't really impact one another um so yeah it was pretty trippy like i thought they did a really good job with that uh i don't I can't necessarily differentiate between who's players, who are, like, NPCs. Like, I don't know what, how they're doing what they're doing. Um, I don't know how it's running so well, but the, from what I've experienced, for the most part, it was running well. Um, there were some videos that both of us saw that looked crazy rough. Um, yeah. That, personally, was not my experience. Um, especially that whole thing where it was, like, everybody had the same outfit and everybody was bumping into each other and it was super clunky and... That wasn't my experience at all. Um, I played both first person and third person to see just how that affected performance. Everybody had kind of unique looks, and yeah, nah, it was it was going well for me. Uh, I tried also both solo and versus mode to go against NPCs mm -hmm. and non NPCs, and um, the the NPC version probably ran a bit better, obviously, um, or the the solo version, but the versus version ran just fine as well. Um, my favorite was kind of just doing the bike thing. It felt like those Red Bull videos uh, where you see the... the yeah, it, it was just... I, I think it's really, really fun, um, and I was quite enjoying it. So, uh, so long as... I And again, I wanted to reiterate, Ubisoft's going through what they're going through. I want to make sure that... I want to know what the developers feel about that. Um, but if they're, you know, cool with people buying their game, I'd love to be able to pick this game up because uh, I think they're on to something. I, I don't know if they're how the support's going to look out on... Mm -hmm. After launch, I don't know how long it's going to maintain uh, relevance and interest in me, but I'm probably going to get it. Uh, they kind of sold me on it. I, I was already kind of very excited about it, but the, the beta was enough to kind of intrigue me. So huh, cool. I'm positive on it so far. I've seen a lot of negative 
responses online uh, from some people totally fair because some of those were like their own personal experience that I'm not going to like argue with um, yeah some people experienced some significant technical issues and stuff like that um, one of the biggest issues I would say is if you crash it is catastrophic like um, <laughs> the rewind mechanism is similar to what I would say like Forza does but it's just way more drastic and because you're downhill like the speed by which people will pass you and get way ahead of you, uh, it happens quick. So it's one of those things where I think the stakes are probably a little too high for a multiplayer game like this. And I do have concerns about like once lobbies are fully open and people are fully playing, and if there's too much impact on those kind of earlier things, I think you're gonna jump into the situation that like GTA Five has uh, with their mm-hmm. races, where the moment a race starts, people are just smashing into each other and launching people off the track immediately, um, <laughs> and that's no fun for anybody. Um, so I have a little bit of concerns about that, uh, about like what that's gonna look like once you know everybody's in there and what their countermeasures against people who are just going to try to like screw people over in their matches and stuff like that especially considering again once you crash you're like effed for the entire batch uh unless you're really good you can you can rebound but uh that was my experience even against like npcs like if i had like a really bad landing and i crashed uh or like i hit a tree or something like that it's going to like rewind me to a certain point and you can control that but getting back on the track can like set you behind dramatically so that's kind of my thoughts on Riders Republic. You haven't played it yet, right? No, so I I did not get into the beta, or I, oh, and I okay. checked my emails, so I never got an uh, invite, and I didn't know there was like a sort of open thing to test out. Which you're telling me is closed now, so it is what it is. But, yeah, it was a quick. Thing. We usually we usually have pretty similar feelings on these kind of games, so you being a little bit more positive helps me out because again, all I didn't go hands on. The only little bit I've seen is. Uh, some of the, like the Gamescom stuff that was shown, which was uh, not too polished. Uh, yeah, so no. at least there's some hope. Uh, again, really depending on you know, how everything unfolds with uh, Ubisoft in this game um, and their own things they're going through. So I'm, I'm, at least I know it's kind of back on my radar now, now that you have um, some positive about it. Yeah, and I will say, again, I'm positive on it, but I wouldn't say that it's like Game of the Year contender, oh my god, this is revolutionary. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. that it seems like the vision that they originally had for it, they're getting pretty damn close to actually fulfilling. I'll I'll put it like that. Uh, And then kind of just to cap it off, I'm still doing my Assassin's Creed run-through, of course. Um, Last episode, I don't know if I had even started Unity by that point. I'm not 100% sure. I think you Uh, were waiting for it in the mail, if I recall. It had arrived, I played it, and I beat it. Um, I'm pretty positive about it. I liked it quite a bit. I know it's it's a rather controversial one. Like A lot of people hate it, a lot of people love it. Um, For me... It has it's it's one of the most polarizing ones for me personally, where I think the things I like about it I really really like and are some of the highlights of the franchise for me, uh, and then some of the things I dislike about it are <laughs> are reasons that might prohibit me from going back to it at some point. Um, it's brutally difficult compared to the other ones. I got through it, uh, thankfully going through all these Assassin's Creed games. I mean, if you can get through you know one, two, Black Flag, three, like all those, then you know. Like you, you'll be able to get through Unity. It just might take you a little bit more time. Uh, there is, they give you zero moment to screw up. <laughs> to be honest, uh, they have like zero fire guns. Where like, or uh, the misfire guns. Where like, if they shoot at you, they're going to hit you. Period. Yep. Um, yep. And 
that that's brutal man there's no dodging mechanism there's no like if you turn a corner no like they'll they'll hit you and a lot of times it's pretty damn close to one shots um yeah so it's really difficult um but eventually you kind of learn what they're trying to make you do and what they're trying to make you do is to all those tools that you may or may not have ignored in the previous games you have to use here uh, so you have to use the cherry bombs and the smoke bombs. You need to make full use of the little wardrobes that you slip into and wait out uh, being chased because you will not be able to outrun these people and you will, when they shoot you, you will die, period. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say that because of the setting and the main characters, I would say it's probably ev- the most evocative of the spirit of like Assassin's Creed 2 that I felt since that game, personally. Um, with exception, obviously, of, like, Brotherhood which in Revelations, where I like direct sequels, so those don't really count. Um, but there's, like, this connection that I got, like, between Arno uh, and Elise and just this environment in France and stuff like that that just immediately gave me the similar vibes to Ezio and his family. Um, and, I, and obviously that kind of European aesthetic like that is going to draw natural parallels, but I think that kind of, like, renews focus on this, like, Templar order in Europe... Uh, Arno being this kind of like playful assassin who kind of reluctantly joins this thing and it has this like natural skill for it but at the same time doesn't have this reverence for the doctrine that a lot of the people around him makes him a very unique protagonist I think uh, to some of the others now if like kind of this irreverent assassin is not unique to Arno whatsoever obviously you're playing you know as uh, um ed before him and then connor before them and they're all you know very reluctant protagonists as well that i mean connor doesn't even really know about the assassins much at all uh when he's doing his thing he's really kind of just caught up in this very tangential connection pretty much the same thing with uh edward you've i guess it's kind of implied that after the fact he learns a lot about the the templars and the assassins struggle after the fact he's just kind of mm-hmm. hunting sages while the black flag is actually happening and then obviously by the time his grandson comes over he knows enough obviously for his grandson to become a templar so so spoilers for you guys who have not played the the franchise um <laughs> but uh yeah no I'm, I'm pretty positive on unity i had a, a pretty good time with it it's an absolutely beautiful game i was super surprised by how well the visuals held up uh, and they have gone back and optimized it a little bit for the newer Xbox to give it an FPS boost. So the combine of the FPS boost and the visuals, there were points that the internals look better than some of the stuff I see in Valhalla. Like, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, okay. it's like, and I'm talking about the internals. Now, they because of their ambitions, I think there are certain things that are, I'm a little bit more negative on. And it's the same thing a lot of people are negative on, which is the parkour system is so robust in terms of like the animations and the movements, but it's so <laughs> slow and yeah. like floaty. Mm-hmm. And that is a nightmare when you're getting chased. So like that whole Assassin's Creed thing where it's like, Oh, my character is not doing what I want them to do. And especially when you're in a panicky situation, that's the last thing I need. Unity probably had the most of that, that I've ever experienced of that, where he just decides to not jump down from a lamppost or attach to a wall like Spider-Man and just won't come off. (laughs) Like those are the moments that happen a lot um, Mm -hmm. in unity that can be really frustrating. Uh, And again, it's just an ambitions thing. They were trying new things out. I think, from what I understand, this is the first proper next-gen uh, 
Assassin's Creed game at that time uh, because from what I understand Black Flag and Rogue were both cross-gen so this was the first one optimized and developed completely for the Xbox One and the PS4 at that time um, and so they were trying a lot of new things and I think some things paid off and some things certainly didn't um, but for anybody who's really into Assassin's Creed the newer ones uh, especially with the Siege of Paris DLC I think Unity is probably the most interesting one to go back to uh, personally just I think it's the one that I think captures the spirit of what Assassin's Creed was once upon a time uh, without having to dive too far back I think Assassin's Creed 2 is must play I think Black Flag is probably one of the best ones but it is a very different game this one I think is very Assassin's Creed -y. it go it brings back the skulking around to gather information on people and melding in, in crowds and hiding and all that stuff and these kind of stealth assassinations and massive groups of people oh that's another thing not to go too long-winded um the fa that crowd engine thing they were doing on there i understand at the time that was revolutionary but it's like the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen in my life um <laughs> the fact that they're yeah. like yeah we're just gonna fill this square with 300 people like it's it where you're trying to like wade through people and like it's a sea of people and i know that's been one of the critiques of it where they just went too crazy with the crowd mechanism i could say that in 2021 it's still insane like i've never seen such a densely populated game ever um and that can be a bit much at times too i think it's a good thing for when you want to disappear um and during the french revolution when you have these massive protests and executions and stuff like that i think it's super appropriate but at the same time it's like i'm when i have chase sequences and i'm trying to like tackle someone oh my god yeah like <laughs> just just yeah. like fifty thousand people in the way and i'm just like bruh like okay but i got through it i really really enjoyed the story i think the story is one of the better ones that i've experienced in quite a while um and then i guess i won't take too much time then i moved on to S syndicate uh which is one of the most hilarious Assassin's Creed's I've ever played because it is the most 180 of 180s I've ever experienced in life with a video Absolutely. game. Like, Absolutely. the Syndicate is literally the antithesis of everything Unity is. So, the combat is the fastest combat that I've ever seen in an action game. Ever. Mm -hmm. It's like, it, it feels like what chipmunk music is to music. Like, it's so fast. <laughs> um, and when everything in Unity has this insane weight to it, uh, Syndicate, though is brutal in its animations, is super spongy. Uh, so it's spongier, it's faster, uh, the parkour is less robust in its animations, but it's way better feeling and way quicker to do. The zipline is way better. Uh, Arno being a fanta uh, fantastic antagonist i think the fry twins are solid i like what they're doing but the story is way less intriguing to me than uh the unity story was um victorian england is a lot uh, duller than victor uh the kind of um revolutionary era france was so it and when they have this kind of hard focus of this deep lore of what's going on in unity syndicate takes a more grounded approach to it where you kind of have this everyday goings on of england and then you have these underpinnings of a war that's going on so it's actually more similar to what i've noticed in valhalla actually where you have like these kind of viking struggles that take the first and foremost and then the templar versus assassin struggle is something that's kind of layered underneath that uh and syndicate feels very similar to that where 
the kind of affairs of like characters like Charles Dickens, for example, um, and 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 the such, and the Fry Twins and their gang and their trains and all that stuff mm-hmm. are what take the forefront, and then the conflict of what is fueling those industries is where the Templar stuff comes in, and. Uh, funnily enough, a lot of the map systems and kind of doing different activities to um, are like to own part of the map and to have your people walking around it is very Saints Row like. Funnily enough, um, yeah. So yeah. that it's kind of scratching that part of my brain that loves the kind of checking the boxes of the map, kind of like Far Cry does as well. Uh, I can appreciate Assassin's Creed doing that. Um, I appreciate that they have a male and a female protagonist, but they're not just gender swapped versions of the same character like uh newer ones do where these Mm -hmm. are actually two distinct people that they force you to use both and at first that was frustrating because i only really wanted to play as evie i liked the way she played better she's faster her she's stealthier um and he's much more of a brawler uh and like a tankier character and does more damage but uh at the same time i can uh, i can appreciate that they made them distinct and that they their story beats that they attach to each one of them that are unique to them as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm positive on Syndicate. Um, there's things that I like a lot. Of, oh yeah, and the the biggest thing about it, different from Unity, is it's way easier, like overwhelmingly easier. <laughs> um, it's not even close. Like I've mm-hmm. died in that game multiple times, but a hundred percent all my fault. Like I decided to jump into the the river and I got literally ran over by a boat or I got hit by a train or I blew myself up because I de- detonated di- dynamite too close. Like, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's way easier than Unity. It's probably... And it doesn't have a difficulty slider from what I can see because I think that was introduced with Origins. So from what I understand, this is just kind of the base game experience. So it's 100% a reaction to the reaction of Unity, uh, which... I think that brings pros and cons, to be honest. I think uh, it fixed a lot of the problems I had with Unity, but it overlooked some of the things that I loved so much about Unity. And the funniest thing about it is they went back to Unity, and it looks really good, and the FPS is really, really high, where Syndicate doesn't seem to have been touched at all. Uh, There's no FPS boost or anything like that, so it's actually a lower frame rate than you'd experienced in Unity, which is really interesting. So Unity actually kind of looks like a newer game than Syndicate is, um, funnily enough. But I'm assuming at some point they might go back to it. Uh, They just released a 60 FPS update for uh odyssey actually odyssey yeah Yeah. so i wouldn't be surprised and and origins has already been optimized on xbox so syndicate's kind of alone right now uh for not having gone back and giving it an fps boost or anything so i would imagine that's of of the newer games obviously if you go back to assassin's creed 2 like nothing nothing's Mm -hmm. been updated (laughs) with that uh Mm -hmm. unless you're playing like the Ezio remaster thing but uh yeah, that's the only thing I would like them to do is if they can go back, maybe uncap the frame rate, maybe find a way to upscale it visually a little bit to smooth out a little bit of those textures because it's a beautiful game. But uh, I would like it to if they could take advantage of a little bit of maybe a little HDR settings and stuff like that. I think it could benefit from that quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I'm positive about it. So yeah, I will talk your ear off too much more about Assassin's Creed. But uh, <laughs> I'm nearing the end of it now. So once I finish Syndicate, which probably shouldn't take more than another week, week and a half, then uh, I'm probably yeah I would have to jump into Origins and then I'm done because I've, at that point that's Odyssey, which I've played the hell out of and I cannot go yeah. back to. So mm-hmm. so yeah, that that's what I've been playing. Oh well, yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting to hear your your perspective of it and. 
I mean, it's got, it, I mean, it's got me to the point where I'm like, damn, I kind of want to go back and play some of these. Um, obviously, that's a big ask right now, but oh, yeah. uh, I, 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 at least through you, I can be like sort of re-experiencing, you know, there's so much you forget playing these yeah. games, and then you luckily playing them sort of back to back to back, just, it helps me, mem- like, remember, you know, I was waiting a year between these games, um, so for you to be able to just wait, wait not wait, not, not wait, wait at all, just basically, jump. just jump right in, um. It's interesting to hear all those those concepts back to back. Yeah, thankfully they're very accessible in terms of the fact that there there are multiple remaster types and uh, the games are very che- very very inexpensive to buy. Uh, these three sixty mm-hmm. games and they're all backwards compatible on the Xbox, so you can just buy physicals on eBay for like nothing or like GameStop yep. if you find them. And uh, I mean, yeah, you can find a lot of these games for you know under ten bucks, ten fifteen bucks each. Uh, by this point, the most expensive ones probably. I mean. Yeah, Origins and Onward obviously are the most expensive ones. Everything before mm-hmm. that point are a lot cheaper, especially if you're you're willing to play the original versions. I played 360 versions of all of them with exception for one, which is Rogue, which I got Rogue Remastered. But other than mm-hmm. that, every I played the 360 or Xbox One base versions of all of them. I didn't really do anything fancy for that. So, uh, yeah, if, if, if anybody's interested in doing that, and especially if you have an Xbox, it's a very easy thing to do. If you're on PlayStation, yeah, you're a little bit more limited, but... Uh, um, if you're on Xbox, you have access to everything. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. That is true. So I guess we could jump into our first story. Um, and this is kind of a double story, so I'm going to break this in half. Because they're both Fortnite stories, but they're both very different stories. Uh, but they're both <laughs> worth you know covering. Yeah. So the first one is kind of just a heads up to you guys and kind of bringing up a little bit of a mini controversy that's kind of happening. But uh, we can get into it. So the first part, Epic Games and Time Studios have teamed up to create Fortnite March Through Time, an all-new experience that pays homage to the life and achievements of the Nobel Peace Prize recipient and civil rights activist Martin Luther King Jr. Developed by the members of the Fortnite community and available as of today or when that uh, article was written by Jared Moore. Um, The new experience allows players to witness Dr. Martin Luther King's full I Have a Dream speech in-game. Details of the game mode were shared on the PlayStation blog, which states that the memorial in the U.S., or sorry, I skipped a little bit, uh, which states that players are taking part of the experience will travel to a reimagined Washington, D.C. at the Lincoln Memorial in the U.S. National Mall, uh, where Dr. King originally gave his speech in 1963. Uh, the experience also includes museum-inspired points of interest and mini-quests that players can uh, undertake alongside one another. Those who fully complete the March Through Time experience will gain access to an in-game reward in the form of a D.C. 63 spray uh, for their lockers. So this got a little bit of controversy, partially for misunderstandings and memes, basically, and uh, also for just a little bit of apprehension. So I can kind of summarize that as me just kind of taking a look, because a lot of people had the same reaction I had. Uh, so first off, let's let's say this. This is not Fortnite's first foray into kind of like civil rights activism events mm-hmm. in-game. I've been to multiple of them myself, and uh, I think they were quite well done. Um now, first off, to dispel some of the kind of misinformation go out there. No, there is not an MLK skin that you can put on your character. Absolutely not. There, I mean, some of these game companies are tone deaf, but there's no way in hell that they would ever be that tone deaf. So, no, there is no MLK skin that came out for uh, them. And this is not a combat mode 
that was another thing that some people were concerned about that it was kind of they're, they're doing a battle royale MLK theme that is not the case this is a separate event that they usually tie to the uh, like playground mode uh, which mm-hmm. there is no combat there you can play around with like paint guns and stuff like that I don't even know if this is this and this might be disconnected from that but a lot of the previous events were tied to that mode uh, so there, you're, you're not shooting at anything obviously yeah, to avoid yeah. being insensitive uh, in any capacity so again, yeah, these are this is literally just Fortnite taking their engines, allowing you to take your character, your avatar, drop you into environments similar to maybe if if you guys are looking for an analog, something closer to like a PlayStation Home. If anything, it's a home space uh, that you can go into and experience something with your avatar that you've created and kind of take mm-hmm. it from there. Uh, so that's what this looks like. Now, obviously, there was a lot of apprehension. Um, uh, from a lot of people about this for many reasons. First off, uh, the user base of Fortnite is not known for their activism. It is a young uh, gamer crowd. Uh, And so people were afraid of, obviously, disrespect towards this type of an event. Uh, But again, it's not the first time they've done an event like this, uh, and they they handle it tastefully. Also, um, a lot of people were concerned about using MLK because he's been misappropriated a lot throughout time. Uh, but again, it's one of those things that uh, we'll see over time what it does and how it's received. Uh, it's one of those things that I, I try my best to have an open mind about to a certain extent. Uh, I'm not much of a guy for the corporatization of like activism in general. Um, and this can be a lot about that, but at least they're not selling anything, which makes it a little bit more palatable for me. Uh, so it's one of those things that I haven't gone in and checked it out yet. So I'm going to withhold full judgment of it until I'm able to do that. I don't know how long it's going to be up. So hopefully I still have the chance to check that out. Uh, and maybe if I'm able to by the next episode, I'll be able to do so. Um, but at least for right now, it's kind of like, I wouldn't even say cautious optimism, just kind of withholding my judgment in full until I'm able to experience it. But uh, I can see why some people are apprehensive about mm-hmm. this, especially putting someone who himself was taken by gun violence in a game that is all about killing basically why somebody could be like i don't know if that's the best matchup uh but i can also appreciate epic to some extent trying to use their massive platform for something more than just video gaming uh did you have any thoughts on this uh very few just because uh i haven't um jumped like i haven't gone into the the mode um i do remember when it was kind of announced i was slightly confused because again i haven't i know they did the other one where the other event where it was a little bit more i guess in a, on a serious note but yeah. besides that you know it's always you know travis scott in a giant form and Correct. like ariana grande just did one so it's usually more of a not serious thing where i think we went to one of these concerts together and we threw like paint balloons and stuff like that so i was like this is a completely different thing like uh you know the whole everything about martin luther king is just this was a completely different subject matter to be putting into fortnite so i i haven't seen anything i saw very few little memes and i saw people why would they put mlk in fortnite and i'm like that's not i was like before i even did my digging i was like i can guarantee you there's not an mlk skin in fortnite um i was like i i i i wow what i just we don't live in a universe where that happens so again i've seen a little bit i've seen where there's like a podium and they have the speech playing i haven't looked at everything else um, because i haven't been in there i've just seen a few screenshots and stuff of people like that 
are you know people at a podium they're all listening i whether it gets to a point where it's disrespectful or anything like that i don't know i have not been able to go in myself um maybe after this because i believe i have fortnite installed just on my pc um or maybe my switch some somewhere i have it um and i'll check it out yeah to, to check it out to see what it is and how it's handled um i haven't heard like crazy crazy amount of um controversy and stuff i'm more of it was before the actual mode was out um so i haven't heard anything wild wild so i'm assuming that it was done well to an extent but until until i see what really what it is and how it was handled i don't want to say too too much um i just just because because i don't know what they did with it just yet yeah and that's the one thing and i think the funny or not the funny thing but the interesting thing about this story is it kind of exists within a larger context of a broader conversation that's happening in gaming which is how do these companies properly use their platform to affect Mm -hmm. positive change whether it be about civil rights issues or just societal cultural issues voting stuff like that at large and you know companies are trying to figure it out uh some reluctantly some very willingly uh some hit the mark some don't and so it's one of those things where epic i feel like has been and this is not their first foray and they're trying to find a way to use this massive platform for good uh but the problem is they're and and this ties into the second story but there is an inherently hypocritical aspect to this coming from a company in a game that has a past a documented past of stealing art or repurposing Mm -hmm. art for their own benefit uh Mm -hmm. especially on top of that just keeping it real black art uh with a lot of the dances that they had that are monetized on their end that do not benefit the creators of said dances so to kind of on one hand try to push this idea that you know we're for racial progress and all that stuff but not really doing the background work that actually makes real substantive change i can see why some people would look at this as kind of like an empty gesture uh, and some kind yep. of like a visual spectacle, but not really tangential or, or, or tangible because it's not really putting resources in the hands of those people who need it. That's just one take that I felt like is important to bring up. Um, but again, that ties into the second one. Again, not that not that Among Us is uh, black art, but I think it's indica- indicative of like a larger trend that has happened with Fortnite. Uh, Absolutely. And so that kind of segues perfectly into the second one, which is... Uh, Fortnite also revealed a new game mode aptly titled Fortnite Imposters. According to the developer, Fortnite Imposters is a high-fidelity game mode that will feature a maximum of 10 players. At the start of each round, players will be split into teams of 8 agents and 2 imposters on a new map known as The Bridge, a facility used by the Imagined Order to maintain uh, control of the Fortnite island. Members of the development team for the highly successful indie game Among Us have taken to social media to call out Fortnite's new imposter mode, as they should, to be honest with you, uh, which strongly resembles their game, which I feel like is a little bit of an understatement. I just want to, this is also by Jared Moore. Um, Programmer Gary Porter was quick to point out some of the similarities between Fortnite's loop control facility and Skeld. Uh, the first map to debut in Among Us, Innersloth co-founder Marcus Bromander, better known uh, by the online name Puffballs United, uh, added, We didn't patent the Among Us mechanics. I don't think that leads to a healthy game industry. Is it really that hard to put 10% more effort into putting your own spin on it, though? Uh, Among Us community director Victoria Tran said on Twitter, It would have been really, really cool to collab. Uh, but going on to point out the seeming similarities and themes and terminology that the two games share. Now, uh, I would say that all things considered, what are not really 
uh, arguable things is this is very obviously a a rip of Among Us. They're taking Among mm-hmm. Us and putting it in their game. This is not really negotiable. Like I've seen some people being like, "Oh no, no, it literally is." Uh, and I think that even Fortnite would admit that. I just don't think they did their due diligence giving credit to creators, which is again part of a broader issue that Fortnite has had in the past previously. So, uh, this is very obviously uh, Among Us, very easily. I mean, Among Us is a massive game. It's popular. And so, it doesn't surprise me that a game like Fortnite is like, oh, you guys are really rocking with that. Okay, we're going to find a way to do that over here. Corporations have done that notoriously in the past a lot, especially like uh, companies like Amazon, for example, do that all the time, where they see a opportunity in the market and they find a way to replicate that within their own corporation. Uh, and so it seems like Epic is doing that with Among Us. Uh, I would say, all things considered, uh, Intersloth are being very diplomatic about it. And so I can appreciate how <laughs> diplomatic they're being about that. Where it's like, yeah, they they don't necessarily own that play style in and of itself. Uh, but they're, they feel like it would be better uh, if they were able to differentiate that before. And you know what that sound that statement sounds a lot like? That sounds a lot like years ago when PUBG made the same statement about Fortnite, which is, Correct. hey, uh, we don't own Battle Royale, but we wish you'd put a little bit more of a spin on it. Now, in Fortnite's defense, boy, did they put a spin on it over time. But mm. at launch, I can <laughs> yeah. see why PUBG was like, you made cartoon PUBG. Like, I could see why they, mm-hmm. they would be upset about that. So I'm just bringing up some ideas of some interesting trends that have seemed to pop up related to Fortnite over and over again. Um, and so it seems that even, you know, the community director, Victoria Tran, said that they probably would have been even willing to work with Epic. So if Epic played their cards right and did things right, they could have literally had Among Us characters probably in Fortnite and how big of a crossover that would have been uh, mm-hmm. if they did things right. But instead, they kind of wanted to do their own thing. They probably looked at what legally they could get away with and they're like, oh, if they don't own it, we're doing it. And it's like, give them credit for what? And, and, and unfortunately, I feel like that's not in a great spirit of kind of uh, creative, supporting creatives uh, in the game industry. Uh, what is your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, it was um, just kind of when I saw this whole thing, I was like, "That's a really scummy thing to do." Um, <laughs> it really would. It, it really went when I saw this. I said when I saw the mode. Um, some I think some of the info had leaked like a couple days before, and so uh, people assumed it was Among Us collab. Yeah, uh, when Fortnite imposters like the word imposter. It's so is obvious. Like, it's so obvious, you know. Yeah. Um, so when the stuff was leaking, I'm like, "Oh, cool." Among Us crossover, it makes sense. I think Among Us did a crossover with like Fall Guys, if I remember. Yeah, uh, they did right. like outfits and stuff. So they've been more than open with with working with other people, um, and despite what people think of Fortnite, getting your character or any sort of reference into Fortnite is actually a big deal. Uh, the game still has a huge, you know, following, and then Among Us has a huge. They just added following. Will These Smith are... like yesterday. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think Will Smith is uh, from Bad, Bad Boys, Boys is, yeah. is in it, uh, which is wild. <laughs> wild. You showed up on my PS5 screen yesterday when I finally got internet. Back Me too, and I yeah. Started, I, I could not like, I stop laughing. I just looked, I'm like, is that Will Smith? <laughs> but, you know, so so it is interesting that they did this, where, where they for sure could have really just probably needed to be like, hey, are you cool with us? They probably wouldn't even have to give in rights. Intersloft seems to be really cool with, like, with most people, I mean, they got a Ratchet and Clank outfit, and Sony doesn't give their stuff to anybody. Um, so, 
I feel like Fortnite probably or Epic could have probably just asked them, hey, or at least let them know we're doing a mode. It's very familiar with your thing. Um, maybe we can give you, uh, I don't know what they call it in Fortnite, the backpacks. Um, could have been all the Among Us characters and stuff like that, which would have yeah. been an interesting thing to do. Um, unless you want to make those really tall, grotesque-looking Among Us characters. Scary. Um, but <laughs> you think all that would have been cool, or spray paints of like the you know them being the kill animations with like the tongue and so like I just feel like this was like a match made in heaven that Fortnite some reason was just like no uh, why why do it? Um, I do think it was really scummy of them to do that. Uh, I think it's big big props to inner sloth and everyone over there uh marcus Robander and everyone who's just like kind of being like that sucks that they did this without asking us we would have loved to collab with them would have been really cool but it is what it is what can we what can we do i like i'm glad that they're not like seeking out like going after them and boy saying don't no, play this mode <laughs> they're like man it sucks it didn't work out the way we all would have liked this to work out but unfortunately it's it's what epic's done so i i do think epic should have done that i'm surprised i'm curious what other things there especially since you know fortnite was created yeah like you said by copying PUBG, literally dropping dropping their game into that engine into to making uh the battle royale and then i know it's again it's grown to something else but you know i, I i'm surprised that they didn't it's, it's it's so weird it's such a weird thing to say like here's this we're calling it imposters mode the stage looks very similar uh it's two people are two people out of the ten are fakes and it's like you really didn't change the mode up at all it's it's it very is pretty much drag and drop down to when you call the meetings and i'm like what what why why did you go the extra step of doing everything to then just last second be like nah but we're not gonna even contact among us even though people really like that game even though it has a great community uh it's just such a weird story when i saw this that they were just I don't know. Uh, it's just you think these game companies would want to work together, yeah, a little bit more, and it's in, it would have been in everyone's interest to work together. Um, so to purposely turn your back on on that is just a really scummy thing to do. Yeah. That's all I really feel on it. Yeah, and it's like when you see like these massive companies fighting with each other over like IP ownership and copyright. It's like it's one thing, but to see like this massive company like Epic do this to like Inner Sloth, which is this like couple person team like they're not they're really really small once upon mm -hmm. a time i think they were like only as big as three people uh yeah, and, and i would have 10 now yeah they've expanded a little bit since then but they're still you know below 15 20 people um and just you know for them to kind of ape their idea like this uh when they were more than willing to do and again they inner sloth has not sought out legal actions yet mm -hmm. but uh we'll see you know over time we'll see the the extent of how much Fortnite took uh, because in many ways and just keeping it completely real with you is if you really look at Fortnite it's an amalgamation of many cloned ideas that existed mm -hmm. elsewhere uh, cloned IP or not even cloned IP but borrowed IP they have uh, all these different characters from different established media modes from established media all mashed together in this giant beautiful puzzle uh, that people love so much but uh, it doesn't surprise me that they keep ending up in this position because at this to a certain extent and I know this sounds harsh because I like Fortnite I do but like and I know this sounds harsh but it's like have they ever really had an original idea for Fortnite? Like, not really. <laughs> like, it's a lot of existing concepts that they found a brilliant way to meld together. Uh, and, and I like it, but it, 
it, they gotta do right by these people and again if you wanna play around and find ways to clone existing concepts from bigger companies it is what it is you guys sort that out have fun but don't do that to teams that are like you know below 15 20 because again this they put their blood sweat and tears on here they grinded this out they went through the ups the downs everything yep. and for you to kind of just see what they did when they finally made it to the other side after all that struggle and be like oh that works and take that and you don't have to go through any of that and you just get to just uh, basically enjoy the fruits of their labor conceptually that i don't think is fair and uh I mean, I think some people would think that's a dramatic interpretation, but that's honestly how I see it because I think it, it wasn't easy for them to get among us mm-hmm. to where it is right now. And uh, for Epic to kind of just be able to jump in and to take that existing goodwill and find a way to meld it into their already expansive, like ridiculously expansive world uh, seems a little parasitic to me. Um, but that that's just kind of my... Uh, opinion and you know over time we'll see if they do right hopefully they'll maybe add credits or find a way to maybe retroactively collab with them and then mm-hmm. add them in i mean the system i mean they already stole it from them so it how it would it be that hard to throw in a couple yeah as you said like uh among us character backpacks i think would be a brilliant idea like you know with like matching like red shirts and blue shirts and turquoise yeah. shirts i think yeah. with that i think it would be fun probably be one of the more simple things to do like they go for these big licenses and i'm like these guys probably would have done it for a fraction of what you pay for like kratos master chief uh, i mean so I, it just doesn't make sense yeah they have all these like original characters that they have in there uh these kind of recurring like classic fortnite characters all mm-hmm. like they literally just have to palette swap them and put one in a purple shirt one in a yellow shirt one in a teal shirt and uh, you could do it like and with the little thing in the backpack like i think it actually yeah. looked pretty fun um but uh that's my kind of hope for it, is just to kind of make things right and uh to be honest because it's so similar if if hey if inner sloth can eat a little bit off that and make a little bit of money on that too i think that would be great too if they could you know get a little Mm -hmm. bit of residuals off there i mean because it's their ip and again like this is like we've seen this before like the with the dance like the millie rock and 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 the shoot dance like that where like Mm -hmm. fortnite made millions off of this these artists and these people didn't make a dime they weren't even notified that it was happening they they have people tagging them in videos being like hey your dance is in fortnite now and they're like what the hell like some kid in the bronx being like bro like i (laughs) this is my dance like i popularized it it's well documented they're popularized it but because of very specific legal loopholes if you didn't copyright it and you're not going to seek legal actions what do they have to lose from a company standpoint Mm -hmm. um and so that seems like this kind of an extension of that no absolutely yeah unfortunately it is but um we'll have to we'll have to see i mean hopefully something changes i'd like them to maybe bury the it's not really a hatchet but bury the hatchet and work together in, in some sort of extent all right. Uh, going to the next story, Cat Bailey from IGN says, "Yet again, we have a new version of Skyrim." Uh, so Bethesda announced that it is releasing the Elder Scrolls Skyrim for next-gen consoles, bringing it with various enhancements. The Skyrim 10th Anniversary Edition will be released November 11, 2021. It will be available on PS5, Xbox Series X and S, as well as last-gen consoles and PC. The Anniversary Edition will include 10 years worth of content plus some new features. Uh, what's pretty much the one new feature they keep showing? Uh, it's the free fishing mechanic. Um, plus, if you already own Skyrim Special Edition, 
there is an upgrade to the anniversary edition um, it won't be free uh, there's a little confusion the only free thing I think is if you buy the anniversary edition on PS4 you can get the PS5 version for free but again you Correct. still end up having to purchase it so there was a lot of confusion um, mainly on their part the way they kept discussing this so Jabral here we are 10 years later uh, we both enjoy Skyrim I don't yeah. think either of us are Bethesda fan number one over Skyrim uh, I think we've I've only ever purchased this game, I think, once. Um, I think I think you purchased it once or twice. I think I know you have it on Switch. Yeah, um, I got it twice. Yeah, so here we are ten years later. There's people who buy this game on every single console. There's the joke that Skyrim releases on everything. Uh, there was the big thing with Todd who he was like, well, you guys want to stop releasing Skyrim? Stop buying, buying it. it yeah. um, <laughs> so the thing is, here we are. It's the 10th anniversary edition. I knew they would do something. Um, like you guys are releasing this game every other day, uh, as a, you know, realistically. So we knew the 10th anniversary would be coming. All the DLC is probably going to be included. I didn't look too too deep into it because they were just so very nonchalant over it. Um, but the fact that they're like, oh, and here's what you guys have been asking for, and I'm like, oh, some. The game still looks very choppy. I'm like, so maybe more cleaned up. Uh, no, fishing. I be honest, I didn't know fishing was not in Sky. Skyrim. I could have sworn there was fishing in Skyrim. I don't like fishing in many games, so but here it is. This is cool for those people who are diehards. I think it's fun for the anniversary edition. Um, I don't really think I might. I get it. I have it on PC, so if I can cheaply get a sort of bundle to upgrade, I, I will do that. Out of this, before, before I ask you what you think of it, I just think the most interesting thing for me is that this game, which is now, you know, Bethesda is now a first-party uh, Microsoft company, is releasing it on PS5. It's a very interesting, because remember they talked about how those games are going to be exclusive, Starfield, yeah. all this kind of stuff, and I know they've been very dodgy about it. I know uh, our big boy Phil Spencer has been very, oh, you know, it depends what games, ha certain games have such history with other consoles, uh, but they've been pretty much sort of redacting that, um, except here you go with Skyrim, the 10th anniversary edition another special edition skyrim's always sell you think you'd want to keep this home um but no their their purpose is going out and making the playstation 5 version of it um which is just a interesting a PlayStation 5 skew i wouldn't say version because we know it's going to be pretty much a port it's probably going to look identical to the ps4 version um but i just think it is still an interesting like concept that here we are uh and you're releasing it on your competitors uh new console which is pretty interesting but We'll see how that all plays out later on in the future with uh, other titles. But, Jarrell, what do you think? Skyrim, 10 years later, they're releasing it again for yeah. who knows how many times. Yeah, um, I found out about this actually from Melissa, and I thought it was, she was joking. Like, I literally thought it was a joke. <laughs> I, I was like, there's no way. Like, again? Because I honestly didn't think that they were going to release it again after... After the Switch and that special edition that they put out on PS4 and Xbox, I thought mm -hmm. that was the end of it. I mean, it's been years, and the it wasn't upgraded. It looked nice, but that was, I mean, it wasn't this insane overhaul. So I was like, okay, so, you know, they cleaned it up as much as they can, and that that's what it was. And that's a nice final product to have. Uh, I still thought it was excessive then, but to be honest, I was like, you know what? It is what it is. There's still a demand for that. Uh, I got it on Switch. Uh, I wanted to play it there. I've only bought it twice. Uh, I've played three versions of it because I, I, I had... I had it on PS3, the broken PS3 one. Um, I got it on Switch. 
years later when that came out on Switch. And then I played the Game Pass version, which is the... Uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's like the special edition that came out on PS4 edition. and Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. And so I played that one just to see how that one was. And that version, I was actually... It was like very comical because I was like, well, the resolution, I mean, it looks pretty nice. But it was it was, like I was in the horse cart at the beginning, and it still glitched out, and the horse cart in front of me launched into the sky. So it's like this game still doesn't run. So for me personally, this anniversary edition, for me to ever spend a dime on this, has to be unbelievably transformative. Like it has to be like those mods that make it look like a completely different game. That's how it would mm-hmm. have to be for me, because I don't see what else they could possibly do. Like up-res this to 4K, like... I mean, up-res to 1080, it looked like... It, it looks like an up-res <laughs> to 1080. Yeah. It, it didn't look like a native 1080 game. So you can up-res it to 4K. It's still not going to look like a native 4K game. Uh, I can appreciate an uncapped frame rate, I guess, if people are not launching into the air and my f- horse is disappearing and it's like... Like, again, they would have to fix those bugs, and I, I don't think they have any interest in doing that because I honestly feel like that's literally become part of the Bethesda, Bethesda Game Studios culture, like, just buggy games, like, it, it, in a non-cyberpunk way, like, mm-hmm. people like it, like, that Fallout's like that, too, so yeah. I think they get away <laughs> with a lot of that stuff, um, and I don't think they really have a vested interest in improving the bugs because I don't think, I think the people who are going to get this are going to get this, and I don't know if anybody's going to be sold on, like, hey, it's been better optimized for the newer consoles. Like, I don't think many people mm-hmm. are going to give a crap. Like, so, um, yeah, this is certainly not for me. I'm going to keep a watchful eye on it because I'm really curious to see what this possibly looks like in 2021. Again, it's been 10 years. Uh, it didn't run well in 2011. It doesn't, it didn't run well in whenever 2017 when they re released it. And I, doubt it's gonna run well in 2021 but uh we'll see i mean i'll keep an eye out for it and i'm hoping it would be awesome if it came to game pass because then yeah i'll 100 percent give it a spin Uh, i like because again don't get it twisted i like i like skyrim i like eso i like all that stuff um am i gonna spend you know 60 70 hours probably going back to it and going through it Mm, probably not uh unless i made a hard effort to do a very different run than the previous runs i've done uh, and I've, I've played around and done quite a bit in that game. All different types of missions, all different types of classes, all different types of roles and different stuff. Uh, so, uh, well, and I'm certainly not going back into fish. No, absolutely no thanks. They added Big the Cat to the game. I have no interest. But um, yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, it just it it's just it's it's really not for me. But again, I. Mm-hmm. I it, it, I both simultaneously hate and love the fact that so many people are going to buy this game. Like, I know people are going to buy this game, and that drives me nuts. But at the same time, like, why not? Because Elder Scrolls Six is so unbelievably far away that, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, I see some people being like, instead of this, you should be working on it. It's like, believe me, like, I don't feel like this has that much of a bearing on it because I don't think we're getting yeah, Elder Scrolls Six. I mean, again, I think El- my guess is that Elder Scrolls 6 is probably going to struggle to even hit this mm-hmm. generation, probably. Um, I think it's going to come late this generation. Personally, like, I'm thinking, my guess, and again, you could people could think this is completely wrong, but I think it's going to be probably 2025 before we get Elder Scrolls 6. Uh, because Starfield is still coming first, and Starfield's not even close to being done. Um, so... Yeah, I, I don't care about this kind of stuff. Uh, I But at the same time, I don't mind it because I kind of get a kick out of it. And I'm kind of going to be like, how mm-hmm. much can they extract out of this one game that I think is 
really good, but is it so good that it needs 15 versions of it? I don't think so, but um, <laughs> but again, who am I to judge? I mean, you guys that have have a blast with this mod, this I I want to see how pretty they can get the game, but I, I just mm-hmm. I, I I you can only do so much without rebuilding the game. So unless this is like a remake of Skyrim, which it's not, then like I don't see really how this is going to look that different than the PS4 yeah, version. Exactly, you know? exactly. So uh, I, I guess we can move on from there for all you Skyrim fans. And we're moving on to another <laughs> franchise that is possibly maybe milking things a little bit too much as well. <laughs> this story is by Miranda Sanchez. Uh, Activision has formally re- uh, revealed its upcoming game from developer Sledgehammer. So we got Call of Duty Vanguard. So it seems like pretty much all the rumors were 100% true. Mm-hmm. Pretty much we all knew it was. It was pretty grounded rumors. They didn't seem so fantastical that they were fake. Um, but yeah, it's going to be another game set during World War II. Uh, it will feature a multi-protagonist story taking place on the Eastern Front, Western Front, Pacific, and North Africa. So pretty much places that they've kind of been before, or at least many World War II games in the past have been before. And uh, of course it's going to have multiplayer with 20 maps and multiple modes at launch. So uh, there's lots of details out about this game. So of course we're going to link the story down below. You can go in and comb through everything that they released about it. But for the most part, it's your pretty conventional World War II Call of Duty game. I mean, I didn't see too much there that differentiated it. The only thing that I saw in at least the trailers or the gameplay demos that looked a little different and new i guess was they added some kind of like climbing mechanism kind of kind of uh to add to the stealth um that to be honest with you didn't seem like something i'm gonna particularly enjoy Uh, i've never been like a first person shooter stealth guy like that's really not my thing uh i think some games do it better than others call of duty for me and and battlefield and all that are not the places I like to do stealth in personally, and some of the newer Call of Duties have played around with that a lot more. Uh, I think some, like like I think uh, Cold War did it pretty pretty well, all things considered. Um, Modern Warfare had some moments as well, uh, but. And, and the funny thing is, I'm that guy who likes the World War II games. I like the ground uh, games. I'm not the super futuristic shooter guy. So at the same time, so I can I feel like I shouldn't complain for this. But it just seems so samey to me. Like, it feels like a carbon copy of so much of what we've seen before. And that was the kind of uh, concerns that I um, explained last episode when we had the rumors about Vanguard, which is, what is this game going to do differently? Uh, That the previous incarnations of these kind of Pacific Front, Western Front, Eastern Front, North Africa shooters haven't done in World War II previously. From what it shows, it's not going to do a damn thing different. <laughs> uh, and But I guess if you can get good shooting, a fun storyline, I'm not expecting anything super engaging, but something fun, I mean, I guess I can see having a good time with it. Uh, it's an annualized franchise, so I'm not expecting them to reinvent their wheel every year. Uh, but yeah, part of me was hoping that they would do something really weird. Uh, and I know some people get really mad when people do stuff like that, uh, where like Battlefield obviously played around with some of the imagery and adding a lot of like more female protagonists into it. And people are like, "That's yeah. not canon. That's not what happened." It's like, bro, it's a freaking first-person shooter game. Like, yeah, of course it's not canon and real to what actually happened in World War II because mm-hmm. actual World War II is probably not the most fun thing in the world to play. But uh, how would you like to play a guy who storms a beach and dies in a minute and a half? Probably not the most fun thing. 
Uh, so yeah, they, there's some suspension of disbelief. So personally, with Vanguard, I was hoping they were going to do something maybe akin to like a Wolfenstein or like an alternate history weird crazy thing, if that makes sense. Um, but it doesn't seem like they're go. You you don't have you heard of the movie Overlord? Um, yes. So that is something that I had in mind that I would have loved for them to do. Now, I'll, obviously, Overlord took a lot of cues from Wolfenstein, of course. Um, but it's basically like World War II horror, for example, uh, where the Nazis were doing some crazy experience, which partly takes place in some existing experiments they were doing in real life, but obviously took that to the nth degree and made it this over-the-top crazy experimental thing. And I was like, what if Call of Duty took some of the themes that they always reserve for, like, zombies and put that into the... pro. I mean, what what do you have to lose at this point? Just differentiate it. Make it crazy. What if, like, the Nazis had some crazy steampunk mech technology like they do in Wolfenstein? How fun would that be? Uh, I feel like Call of Duty could benefit from playing around with it. And for anybody who would be like, oh, well, they've never gone too crazy and stuff like that. And it's like, last time I remember in Black Ops, I was running on walls and, and jumping out of buildings and using some kind of sky raccoon suit to float to another building so it's like i don't think it's so crazy for them to play around with history when they obviously play around with the future all the time you know what i mean so mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of my opinion i feel like that would be fun to break up the continuity or the, the monotony of all of these annualized things with exception of also maybe tapping into wars they haven't tapped into instead of going to world war ii for the 50 millionth time try vietnam try korea even uh call of duty doing the gulf war would be fun too uh they haven't really done too much of that they've had vignettes in existing modern warfare series about that but they haven't had a dedicated gulf war game i think that could be really really fun uh they could do yeah and i I think like when they did like fake uh slightly futuristic invasion stuff like when the russians invade in america in modern warfare 2 uh what if they played around with that kind of like it's like modern day but something crazy happening from another force like what if somebody else invades us or you know china or whatever like i think that could be fun um but yeah it's just and they literally did a game called call of duty world war ii like five years ago maybe like i think it was like 2016 2017 and it was and it was them it was sledgehammer yeah it was literally sledgehammer and it was it was pretty solid i had a good time with it um Uh so i'm like bruh this just seems like retreading old ground and i'm not this guy who's like oh call of duty they come back every year they're boring call of duty's dead it's like no i think there's a fan base there and i think they find creative ways to make each game distinct but i'm this is one of the first ones where i'm a little concerned about like okay they have a campaign and in the past if a call of duty game has a campaign i usually pick it up but mm-hmm. 70 dollars to retread really old ground like i'm just really hoping that they do something unique uh because call of duty campaigns are already super short to begin with uh but like call of duty cold, cold war it was unique it was beautiful i had a fun time with it so i'm not mad at it if you're gonna do the same world war ii stuff over and over again the gameplay looks the same the places look the same the same broken down french buildings that we've gone through a million times like mm-hmm. come on man cut, cut me some slack do something different and, and again who knows maybe i'm alone in the wanting something different i don't know maybe i'm crazy that i think maybe adding mechs would not bore me to tears like the previous ones had um but that, that's just me what do you think uh no i i pretty much agree with like everything you said it's very strange for them to go back to world war Two, um especially since it's the exact same team 
doing World War Two again. Um, so it's not in any way a sequel to their own. You know, it. So you can't really do. It's hard to do a sequel to a World War Two game. <laughs> yeah, because actually, um, happened, when, so. because of the way Call of Duty does their games. You know, so you can't. You know, they can't call it Call of Duty World War Two Two. Um, you know, this is not. They're not square. Um, so it's just very interesting that it is that the same team decided to go back. Uh, where again, it's only been a couple of years. We haven't really missed World War Two. Um, well, you know, World War Two thematically as a as a game. Um, so it is interesting that they decide again to go back the same team to go back um, so it, that is slightly confusing to me the little I've seen I mean it looks the same as Call of Duty World War 2 uh, that's, that's where I, I kind of have issues then I'm like I, I try to look at both the positive and the negative you know the negative I understand this is really connected to Activision and everything that's gone and we've discussed um, in the last past few weeks um with Activision Blizzard, and then I just see also that they're not really there. It's like a mix. That's like, yes, it's another Call of Duty, another World War Two Call of Duty. Um, it's gonna be what you would pretty much expect. Um, you do get this weird hybrid thing again, where you know there's gonna be a zombie mode, but that's gonna be taken care of by Treyarch, yeah. which are like the experts at zombie. That's everyone who everybody loves when they do the zombie mode. Um, so it's weird when they're getting this weird patch job again. Um, and you have other people sort of supporting and doing the multiplayer stuff, which really doesn't really speak to us. Um, it's just, it's weird, especially when they're going to be competing with, I mean, it's been a long time when we, but it's been a long time since we've had Halo, Call of Duty, and Battlefield all battling head-to-head yeah. um, -head this this um, holiday season, practically. And those other two are looking um, crazy. The other two, you know, yeah, I remember Halo is, uh, you know, going to be free to play. Um, on top, it's gonna it's campaign is free through Game Pass. Mm -hmm. uh, Call of Duty seems to have a sweeter deal. We're looking if you're looking at price between Battlefield, Battlefield is only online. It's only multiplayer. Um, Call of Duty will have a campaign. We'll have a multiplayer. We'll have zombies. I think Battlefield is launching with like eight maps. Call of Duty is boasting that it's gonna be having twenty maps uh, and tons of mode that launch. So it's it's such a weird. I'm more interested in that aspect. Will I play the game? I don't know. Again, it's really depending. I don't. I don't think I'll have time to um to set my you know set you know two days to play World War Two game. That's unless some reason this story becomes spectacular. I don't know what you're gonna tell us that we haven't seen in World War Two movies and in your own other video games. Um, it's gonna be a rough one. I, I do think it'll probably be a solid game. I think it'll probably be a well game. Call of Duty sells tons anyway. Um, I just think it's going to be, I'm more interested in that aspect of what this game does for the ecosystem and what it does for Call of Duty. Because Call of Duty, for a while, we've always said it's been plateauing. Um, I think last year, uh, Cold War got a good big boost because of the new consoles. Yeah. Um, I think regardless, I think if, if it wasn't for that, it probably would have dropped a little bit. Um, I also have to see what this Warzone thing. People really, really love Warzone. And if they're, ha if they're satisfied with Warzone, why are they going to pay uh, $60, $70 uh, to get a campaign that they're not going to really play uh it, it's it's weird because they're like oh being super fictional i mean you know super accurate with world war ii some of the guns they show already have red dot framing on it which is kind of weird um so it's just uh, like a weird mixed bag and i'm like i gotta see this thing in the wild to see is this is this really anything else besides that i just i know it's going to come out and i'm never going to think of it again so i just it's such a weird subject it's like we knew it was coming it's here and it's like i'm already over it um unfortunately and it's not even that you know we haven't seen i'm a big zombie guy but i, I didn't really play black ops cold war zombie and i haven't played the, i haven't played zombies 
since like Black Ops 2, 3 maybe, um, because they've took a crazy turn with it. So it's just such a weird timing for Call of Duty. Like if there was every year I wanted them to take off, this would have been the year. Um, but obviously sales uh, speak differently. Yeah, and I mean it's one of those things where I'm I'm kind of like a I play the campaigns and I kind of check out. So I would say even though I do play Call of Duty, I'm not part of the Call of Duty fan base if that makes any sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I'm not kind of actively on those servers playing those games like probably I used to back in the like Black Ops One, Black Ops Two days, World at War, Modern Warfare. I, yeah, I was putting in work back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, these days, again, it's it's reserved to the campaign and I kind of move on from there. Um, and so this is kind of the first year where I know there's this been this war for a while now between Call of Duty and Battlefield, but Call of Duty their their sales are just ridiculous, um, and so it's hard to one up this. But with the sheer scale and and just uh, intensity of what Battlefield's doing and the kind of like ambition that they're what they're doing with this latest game, um, it makes me feel like with kind of call of duty having this kind of uh scaled down approach where they're gonna have their thing but obviously warzone is their main offering now these days uh and these games are mm-hmm. so, it's, it's almost like miraculously became kind of their secondary product which who would have guessed that a main line call of duty game would be seconded to a battle royale mode but they found a way to make that work where mm-hmm. uh warzone is the thing people talk about these days um and so this is, I feel like, Battlefield's chance where it's like, okay, they're doing the World War II thing. This is probably the the most disadvantaged you're going to have Call of Duty in quite a while. So this is your chance to really, like, grab up and suck up all that oxygen where it's like, we have you ziplining from buildings and all these vehicles and flying and shooting and exploding all these things. And then, then you guys can have your fun with your bunkers over there. And, and this is their chance to really try to one-up Call of Duty this year. Mm-hmm. Because if they can't get it done this with Call of Duty doing Vanguard this year, which, again, who knows? We can end up with our feet in our mouth because Vanguard could be, like, absolutely amazing. Who knows? I don't know. But my guess is it's probably going to be a rather tame experience. And so this is Battlefield's exper- uh, chance to really kind of suck up that that conversation and then that player base. Uh, because I do feel like I don't. Th- I think there's Call of Duty players. I think there's Battlefield players. But I do think there's a contingent of people where wherever their fan, uh, the the kind of like multiplayer uh, cultural wave is, is where they tend to go. Um, and so this is Battlefield's chance to get those group of people who are willing to play kind of whatever FPS is kind of popular at that time. So once upon a time they were maybe playing like Warzone, maybe they were playing Apex, maybe they were playing a little Doom Eternal once upon a time, and now they might jump into one of those. And so those are the people that I think Battlefield should be targeting this year, uh, those people who kind of float around, because the cemented Call of Duty people are always going to be cemented Call of mm-hmm. Duty people. But those floaters, you don't want to lose them to Call of Duty, and I think this is the best chance Battlefield's had in a while. But that's kind of just me as an outside observer. I'm not an mm-hmm. FPS uh, super fan or expert or anything like that, but that's kind of from what I see. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Alright, so I mean, we'll probably have more information on Call of Duty uh, soon since they pretty much are ramping up for release uh, before we know it. Yeah, it's like October, um, right? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure they hit October. Everything's going to be nicely spread out. Uh, but uh, let's get on some, uh, I guess, unfortunate news, but it's news we knew of already. Uh, some stuff that won't be hitting this holiday. Uh, so, uh, from uh, Lucy O'Brien, obviously. Uh, during a development update uh, at GamesCon opening night, uh, Horizon Forbidden West director Meth- Methigis? 
I, I don't I guess I, I'm terrible at names um, uh, confirm the sequel will hit PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 on the 18th of February 2022 originally slated to have holiday 2021 release window uh, for Britain West has was recently rumored to have been delayed to the next year um, they confirmed that the sequel is now on track for 2022 citing a healthy work-life balance was important for the Guerrilla Games team as they developed Forbidden West during the 2020 pandemic and beyond. Uh, quote, while the decision to move the game's launch to 2022 uh, certainly wasn't easy, uh, we'd like to take a moment to thank all our fans for their unwavering support. We know how much you've been looking forward to reuniting with Aloy and her friends, continuing her story, and exploring a new and more dangerous world. Your passion, fan art, cosplay, virtual photography, and videos have meant the world to us. So this was really just confirmation of stuff we've discussed a little bit ago. It's not, it was not even that while ago that we said, and we've been saying this for a while, that the game should be delayed to 2022, uh, February 2022, because it does mark, I believe, five years uh, from when the first one launched, so it kind of makes sense. And uh, I'm just glad this wasn't... I don't know if the, the whole rumor and the leak thing softened the blow. Not many people were that upset. Uh, I think people all were okay with getting a you know, a delayed for, you know, Horizon game just for a little bit, um, to make sure it's even better, uh, to make sure it's that. Sometimes those few weeks escalate a game from, like, a 7, 8 to a 9 or 10, uh, version of a game, so I know you and I aren't, like, it sucks that we didn't get to play this game this year, um, it does, it is a little awkward that we don't have a Sony game, uh, this fall, I think Kenya is in September, and that's pretty much it, um, so that is, uh, a little weird. I think that's such a weird uh, timing since everyone else is kind of trying to uh, hit full full cylinder time and Sony's sort of taking that step back and letting their companies do what they need to do. Uh, they probably could have pushed this game for 2021, probably might have been a little bit buggy, um, but I'm glad that the game's going to come out in the vision they want us to. Um, also, they did do a small little PS5 patch for the first Horizon, so... Uh, which is funny because I was just about to replay that um, in line for Forbidden's West release. So I do have it installed. So I guess I'm going to play since I have it installed. And now that there's a PS5 patch for uh, 60 frames and uh, I think a performance mode and stuff like that. Yeah, so that's going to be... Yeah, so I'm really excited because, again, it was it was already installed. So I was like, well... And it updated yesterday when I got internet back. And I'm like, well, I was going to replay this game anyway. So now I have even more time. And I can really take my time. I don't know if I'll platinum it, but I can not feel rushed uh, through the story mode just to play Forbidden West because now I have plenty of time. But, uh, you know, good on them. Gamescom was, uh, I think, a nice time to sort of hit this out in the open, soften the blow with obviously a PS5 patch for Horizon. Um, you know, Zero Dawn, especially since Zero Dawn's practically... F everyone should have it because it was on... Was it uh, the PlayStation Collection or it was PS Plus? I don't really even yeah, remember anymore. Collection thingy. Yeah. yeah, so most people will have it and so... Why not dabble in it, you know, all upscaled and stuff, which proves that people, we want this. So, so that's great stuff. Um, so what did you, uh, what did you think of, uh, I mean, the news we knew already? Yeah, it's one of those things that the moment I heard, I was like, anybody who's surprised by this story just wasn't <laughs> paying attention, to be honest with you. Anybody mm -hmm. who pays close attention to the PlayStation ecosystem like we do knew this was definitely happening. It was just one of those things they hadn't, uh, announced quite yet we knew damn well is not hitting no holiday 2021 it's just um yeah and i think it's a great day for them yeah that five-year anniversary i think it's a good window for them um of course i would love to have played that this uh fall but i don't think it's a profound major loss again it, coming out of covid it put a lot of people mm. in a strange position so 
during the fall, to be honest, we're going to be getting a lot of games uh, that we would have otherwise gotten during the summer. So it's going to be full because a lot of people delayed into the fall. Uh, so them delaying into early 2022 actually works kind of to our benefit because it gives us lots of time uh, to let that breathe and, and, and play that and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy um, to hear this, to be honest, because I was, I was scared it was going to get too pushed too far into 2022 actually so like some people have expressed a little bit of disappointment i'm like oh man 2022 i was hoping to get it this year to be honest i was like hey i'm i'm happy that it didn't get pushed into like summer or something like that. that's very true um so yeah because yeah. again like things that, uh, we don't want a halo on our hands and i know this is not one of the mm-hmm. stories this week but we finally have, have like a halo release date so yeah um i mean just like how insane is that that once upon a time they were supposed to release that and then it actually comes out a year later they were that over off a year with over its, a year. how ready it was which makes me wonder and uh, again maybe we'll get the answers to this one day which is what did you see in november of 2020 that made you think that game was ready that was so off that you need an extra year of development is my yeah. question like yeah. who made that call because someone was either super off or they expanded the scope of this game tremendously. And I think it's the previous one. I think someone was made that call and was super off. And, I, and maybe it was like a close to cyberpunk situation where they were trying to force their hand and they're like, nah, 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 we're not doing that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's a really good time for it. And I'm excited to play it. And I'm excited to also hear your thoughts about going back to it. Because uh, that was back in 2017 it came out. Uh, and yeah. I just remember it being one of, the, at that time, most beautiful games I had seen. Uh, and it played wondrously. And I remember it came out right around, uh, uh, like right before Breath, Breath of the Wild did, like a month of it. Or, or a little bit, like a couple weeks beforehand. And I just remember it feeling like a dream and controlling like a dream. And I'm so curious to see, like in 2021, how that holds up now that we played games like Ghost of Tsushima. Which I also forgot to mention uh, in the games we'd be playing because I went super deep into the Iki Island DLC. Uh, but we could, I guess, talk about that in the next episode uh, because by that point I'll be done with it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really he- curious to see how uh, Horizons held up all this time. Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll have that information for you next time. Perfect. All right. So, oh Jesus. All right. So this is gonna be the tough story for me uh, by Matt Perslow. So Saints Row is getting a reboot. Um, Volition has announced Saints Row, a full reboot of the open world series, coming on February 25th, 2022, so another February game. Uh, It's coming to PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, PC, everything, and it's apparently an Epic Epic Game Store exclusive, so no Mm -hmm. Steam for that. Um, Volition has stated that it's not backing down on this game. After a portion of the series, fan base has expressed uh, disappointment, which is an understatement, with the direction of the newly announced reboot. Uh, among the replies are a few tidbits of information that helps clear up some fan questions. The removal of the series Hallmark Purple from the logo is apparently because at the start of this game you're not a saint yet, um, which is an interesting explanation. Uh, the reboot will also feature customizable cars as well as better uh, character customization, which is actually... Mm-hmm crazy to hear because saints row custom uh, character customization is probably the best of yeah, almost any game ever. period so if they're mm-hmm. making that better that's actually pretty wild news uh okay so i guess i'll go well no you know i want to hear your thoughts first because i'm the saints row super fan so let me just let you go yeah yeah because i because i'm you're gonna have a lot more to say about this um so we, we're huge saints row fans uh yeah. you and i that's actually one of the first things we became friends over uh, i remember because it was a little bit after uh, somewhat after saints row 3 came out um and i think we've we've i think the community is well aware that there's 
two arcs to Saints Row. There's Saints Row 1 and 2, which is, uh, for lack of a better term, the more GTA grounded style. Uh, you know, I, I always think they take, I think they were always slightly more edgier uh, than GTA. This is obviously before GTA 5. They've always been slightly more edgier. Yeah. Uh, then there's uh, Saints Row 3, which is a game we love, especially we just replayed, uh, I think it was last year, we played the uh, remaster, the a remake, remake kinda. Yeah. slash remake, uh, which was fantastic, it was great, and it's obviously way a more comedic take on this sort of open world gangster gta sort of game um you know and, and it's a game of its time it's you know a little a little janky and stuff like that but it's it was it was i always felt like it was ridiculous enough where it worked um and i was always thinking oh this might be where saints row lives um then we got saints row 4 which was completely nuts <laughs> um, yeah. you know the best parts of saints row 4 is when you went back to saints row 2 and you didn't have any of your powers and you're you know back in the core time uh Still so water, i've always yeah. really liked that so uh, we've always been wanting, and we knew Saints Row needed a reboot, especially the way they did uh, Saints Row 4, and then we got, like, Gat Out of Hell, uh, a very little bit of that Agents of Mayhem that wasn't really, you know, took place in the we Saints Row universe. We don't talk about agents. <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't real uh, a real Saints Row game. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously we knew, and they announced the while ago, they're like, yeah, Saints Row is coming back. We, we, we all knew this. They teased this a little bit before Gamescom. Um, I, I was kind of excited for the teaser art, which was, I think it was just a spray painted wall that said rebooting. Um, it had the Saints um, symbol, uh, the little purple. Um, I always forgot how to, pr- how to say that thing. Le Fleur. Le, le Fleur, yeah. I'm sure yeah, the French forget. pronounce it right, but. Yeah, that little, the little Saints Row symbol uh, that was uh, really popularized uh, with the purple in Saints Row 3. Um, I was excited. I remember texting you and be like, yo, is this, this is what I think it is? And. Sure enough, I think the next day or something, we got the trailer. And, hmm. I got, so I have to take it in two parts. Because uh, we got the, I guess, the cinematic trailer. And then we did get some gameplay trailer. The little bit that I've seen of the gameplay trailer kind of looks fun. Uh, yeah. I know it's, there's some diverse... I, it looks fun. It looks like a slightly more realistic Saints Row 3 gameplay. And crazy explosions. It's, you know... Uh, the customization, the city looks kind of interesting in the environments. But again, we've seen very little of moment-to-moment gameplay. The little we've seen, I'm kind of on board. Uh, I know, I think more of the reactionary disappointment is probably with the cinematic trailer. But the little we've seen of gameplay, I'm like, I kind of want to see more of this. I want to play it. It looks like it will, it will somewhere land in between Saints Row 2 and 3, which I think is the sweet spot. But then we get to the, cinema, the cinematic trailer, uh, which kind of broke it down to us. And here you get, uh, you, you know, you got, you got some of these sort of thug, drug, uh, crew type thing going on. And then you got a group of uh, four TikTokers or uh, Viners who are your crew, I guess, or, or they're, they're going to be the protagonists. And they look generic as ever. They don't really seem to have identity. Uh, they look very just... And I know people are going Fortnite. I, I, I don't really see the Fortnite look. Uh, Saints Row kind of had that look before Fortnite uh, yeah. in my feeling, so I'm not going to like get down on that. Um, but there's something wrong. There is a uniqueness and sort of special feeling about Saints Row, uh, especially even if you go back to Saints Row 1 and 2. Uh, Gat was, was some, is... Uh, and I'm not saying that he need, even need to be... Johnny needed to be back in this game. I understand it's a reboot. But none of these characters, they all look like a created character 
from Saints Row Three. Uh, they all don't have uh, distinction. There, there's something when you saw Shandy or Johnny Gat that you were like, they are a main character, and in this one again, they look very weird. Now I know there's a little bit of you know there's all this disappointment. People want like I want straight Saints Row One or Two. And I think that's a good feeling that to want that, but then you're looking at competing with Grand Theft Auto V and whatever Grand Theft Auto comes from in the future and whatever online continues to be. So I don't think that's exactly... But what people want, I don't think, is exactly what they really want. Um, I, I, it's fun to say that until you realize that it, then you're looking at very just copycat of GTA. Um, I do understand that there's just something when you watch this trailer that doesn't feel Saints Row. I think in you know when this dude puts that helmet on and it's got like that kitty electric mask on or I don't know what those are called, uh, the, <laughs> those weird helmets. Um, the, and there's something off. I, I, that's all I really know. I haven't. I'm not to the point where I'm like protesting the game. I, I need to see more. I need to see why you're gonna call this a Saints Row. Why are you gonna use this as a starting point for Saints Row again? Um, because there is something off now. I know you're a lot more of a hardcore one. Again, I came into Saints Row very late. I played three, then I went backwards and played one and two, and then played four at launch and stuff like that. So, what what are you feeling on this? Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I I'll break it up too. So let mm -hmm. let's get the gameplay out of the way. I have zero complaints with that. That looked fine. Looked fun. Uh, no complaints there. Okay. Um, part of me. Well, one thing Saints Row has been. And, and funnily, you used the term off, because that's literally what I've been using to explain it, where I've said that Saints Row has been off for a long time now. And so mm -hmm. I see, you know how they say, like, this is uh, a symptom of, like, a deeper issue, where it's like, yeah. when I look at this Saints Row game, I'm like, you know, this is a symptom of a broader trend that's been going on much longer than this. Uh, we... But the thing is, I guess because the 3 remaster came out and was so well done and I think was, did pretty well, I thought we all kind of collectively thought that that was them kind of signaling a kind of return to their heyday uh, of mm -hmm. bringing things back a little bit. Um, because things did get a little bit off base, especially with 4 uh, and then Agents of Mayhem, which I know is technically not a Saints Row game, but it is. Um, and so... I guess we all thought that that was them kind of trying to restore the feeling a little bit because that's usually what a lot of developers will do. They'll go back to an older title that is well-loved and find a way to clean mm -hmm. that up a little bit, and then they release a sequel that is maybe in a similar vein to that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, Mass Effect. Yeah, Mass Effect or like Crash, for example, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, there's tons of Crash games, but they went back and cleaned up the original trilogy, and then, you know, 4 comes out, and it's in that vein, uh, their heyday. Um, and so I, I guess that's what I unfortunately assumed was coming for Saints Row, which we all knew a reboot was coming, or we all knew that a new Saints Row was coming, but I had serious doubts that it was going to be Saints Row 5, so when they were like, it's going to be a reboot, that was pretty much in line what I figured it was going to be with the Saints Row 3 remaster. I was like, oh, okay, so I think this is going to be a more grounded Saints Row game. I don't think they were ever going to go to Street Combat because it's not 2005 anymore, 2007. Mm -hmm. Like, that kind of, like gang warfare la thing i think they are leaving around uh, they left alone after san like san andreas and saints row one were like that 
thing, and then Saints Row 2 kind of moved into a larger scale game conflicts, and then obviously 3 brought it to more of like a mafioso type vibe. Uh, So I think culturally we've moved away from those kind of video games, Um, and I seriously ever doubted that they were going to go back to that. So them not going back to that, I'm not mad at. Them deciding not to have the classic cast back, I'm also not mad at. Give them... space to grow i 100 percent am with uh saints row becoming something new in 2021 or 2022 actually and forward a new cast maybe of people who like maybe you won't like them more than johnny gap but at some point you can be like this is that generation and then this is this generation you know what i mean so mm-hmm. um i i felt like i wanted to give them all the room in the world to explore that and to play around with the imagery. And, you know, they switched what it meant to be a saint a long time ago. Uh, once upon a time, you were having uh, fist fights, getting jumped in as a gang initiation in front of a broken down church in yep. Stillwater for Saints mm-hmm. Row 1. Then eventually you had a giant penthouse with suit people hang gliding to Kanye's power. Um and that's what it meant to be a saint once upon a time. And you had this guy speaking with a weird vocoder and this weird sex jokes and stuff like that. And they changed what it meant to be Saints Row at that point. And, you know, it was a stretch and some people didn't love it. But I think collectively we could all agree that that was a great thing to do for the franchise. Um, it breathed new life into it. And so, in that sure as hell did they get off base with the whole president thing. But if, you know, you're going to tell me, you know, we're changing what it means to be a saint in 2022, I'm not mad at that idea either. But I think you start to lose me when I'm starting to see this kind of, like, techware, millennial joke, no one messes with my friends, giving me very much Watch Dogs Legion mm-hmm. meets kids show. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, meets TikTok. It's just not a theme that's really doing it for me because it doesn't feel organic it feels like old people trying to connect to the youth and i and people it's very easy to see through inauthenticity so it doesn't feel youthful and trendy and hip in 2022 it feels like a board of old suits trying to understand like oh what are the kids like oh they like tiktok right yeah put a led on his face like i mm-hmm. just it's just really not doing it for me. Uh, I didn't like the jokes. It didn't find... And, and that's the one thing that... Say what you want about Saints Row, but the, whether it's irreverent or not, but it had its own unique identity and humor. And uh, even if you want to say, like, oh, it's a GTA clone, which is 100% not true, what you can't say about them is that, boy, do they go for it. And they've gone mm-hmm. for it in the past. And it's like, what did they go for in this this trailer? Nothing. Like, there was nothing remotely. And I'm not an edgelord. I'm not asking them to say anything offensive or do anything like that. But Saints Row, like, they had those moments where it's like, oh, my God. Like, there is no one in the game industry willing to even touch this stuff. I mean, they had a whole mode. You know, their horde mode, but they spelled it like whore. Like, the Saints Row is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> They're nuts. They're absolutely nuts. And... Yeah. This game, again, I'm not asking them to do the edgelord stuff. I'm a grown man. I don't need that kind of stuff. And I understand culturally uh, society's changed a little bit since those days. Um, but to a certain extent, I, I don't see the unique identity here. It's it's incredibly generic. Uh, I think the Fortnite references are a little overstated. I think people, whenever they see a certain kind of youthful cartoon aesthetic, they start chalking it up to 
um, Fortnite, but it, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I don't really see that. Again, I see youthful tech wear meets kind of like edgy shooter, and it's just not really doing it for me. Uh, I don't like it, but I'm gonna give it a chance. I'm gonna play the game. I play every Saints Row game, uh, but as of right now, this is probably the least enthused I've been about the direction they're taking the franchise in a long time because mm-hmm. I saw what they were doing with four before four came out and I knew it was a mistake, but, and I knew it would probably not be great for the overall franchise, but I was like, you know, what? at least they're doing something unique at the very least. So that game came out very close to GTA five. It came out in August. And I think GTA five came out sometime in September or October of the same year, yeah. 2013. And the one thing everybody could say was like, "Hey, this Saints Row Four looks kind of terrible, but it sure as hell don't look like Saints. Uh, it doesn't look like GTA Five. Like you're mm-hmm. a president fighting aliens, and there's Metal Gear Solid references, and it's crazy. Um, where this game, like, I can show you a million games that look like this, and that is that scares me because Saints Row, if anything, has never been predictable. It's never been where you can point at mm-hmm. it and be like, oh, they're just ripped this, and it's like." They're, they used to be irreverent and, and super funny and go for it and have these ridiculous characters that would go to hell and you're flying amongst Satan and all this kind of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And now you just got these guys shooting out of the back of like a Camaro. It's just like not doing it for me. Uh, I don't know what compelled them to take this direction uh, because uh, this level of generic, I almost feel like you'd expect from those commercials on YouTube for those random iPhone apps from China. Yeah, yeah. Like, like this is not something I'd expect from like a team like Volition, who are like well established at this point with the fifth major entry of a franchise. Like, it just, I don't, I don't understand this. Um, but again, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna give it a shot. But uh, I, it, it was a little discouraging seeing this before because no, I much yeah. rather see them go for something insane and be like, no, it's a miss for me than see something where I think, to be honest, I think they're playing it crazy safe. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, to be honest, I feel like this is a little bit of a reaction of being a little bit scared to offend people. Uh, and instead of putting forth the effort to have fun writing and find a way to do that smart, because GTA, I think, can be offensive at times, but they do it smart. They do it creatively. They do it in a way where it's like, yikes. I don't know if you could say that, but the way that you're doing your cultural commentary is very smart. And I feel like once mm-hmm. upon a time, Saints Row found a way to do that as well. And I feel like they might be too spooked to play around with that kind of stuff uh, anymore. Um, and they, I guess, are just not willing to put forth the effort to write something. But... Mm-hmm. This game's coming out in February. It's very close. So that means they're well into development, I would imagine, at this point. Uh, which tells me we're, we're going we're gonna to have some thoughts on this relatively soon. And I just yeah. hope for their sake that it's not as generic and safe as it looks. And maybe they just chose a bad kind of slice of the game to show off of. And again, apparently, according to them, you're not even saints when that part was taking place. So... Uh, maybe later in the game when you're actually a saint that stuff kind of pops in a little bit more and maybe they're holding some of the humor back a little bit but if they give me some straightforward like this is your world and you have all this tech at your disposal and it's like i gave a stinker award to a game that was doing that last year don't make me give <laughs> please don't make me give a stinker award to saints row i love it so much yeah. but yeah that's that's kind of my thoughts on it is I'm, I'm negative on it now. I'm not fueling the hate train like a lot of people are. Like, I think 
give them some room to breathe, give them some room to play around with, but I'm very skeptical of what they're proposing. No, yeah, I, I completely agree, and I'm, I'm understanding of all the issues people have with it, because, like, the first 45 seconds of that trailer, I'm actually really hyped when they're talking over the phone, and, you know, they're scoping out, and, um... I, I believe her name is Nina, is like behind the building, and she's like, yeah, the guy got shot just now. And I'm like, okay, there's that sort of Saints Row bluntness. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, it's like, I think it's like exactly, if I remember, I think it's exactly like at 45 mark where you see, um, he's the guy in the suit. He's Well, he's got like the blazer. I think Eli, his name is. Okay. Um, and I'm like, wow, he, okay, he, he almost seems dragged and drop from another game kind of place. And then that's when you see the shirtless dude, who I think, I think, Hold on, I had a picture just here. He has a very generic name. His name is Kevin. I'm like, oh my God. and he's the one who puts the helmet on and drives up. And I'm like, uh, the other character, I don't really, I mean, that's going to be the boss. So that's your creative character. So I'm not worried about the look on that one. But uh, yeah, it's just, I, I, I'm really hoping the game shapes up to be better. Um, I think there's some people who are thinking it may get delayed. I said, you know, there was no reason for them to hit such a specific date. They could have just told us 2022. Uh, for them to have a specific specific date means yeah i'm also in that boat where the game's probably playable they're just kind of cleaning up it's probably playable from beginning to end and who knows what else is going on it's been a while yeah it's been a long time i would gladly love to eat my words and be like i love it here's my new favorite saints row game i i i kind of doubt it where i'm at right now but i'm at least I, I do feel glad I'm 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 open to this game. I, I will probably it'll probably be a day one purchase for me. I will probably I'm either gonna really like it or I'm gonna be very bland on it. So yeah, the worst thing that I feel like this game can be beyond bad, beyond over ambitious is boring. I think that's the that's, that's the death nail for Saints Row. That's Rome. where I'm worried. Yep. Yeah, it it for me th- there have been yeah Saints Row Four is not very good. Like uh, I I admit that it's it's a they took the exact same map and made it and gave you superpowers. Like it, it it's not that great of a game. I acknowledge that. Uh, I don't even think the first one is that good to be honest with you. Um, but uh, what they are not are they're not boring. And mm-hmm. at the very least, it's like, hey, they went for something. You swing, you miss sometimes. But I can. What I what I hate is is playing things safe. And the worst thing a Saints Row game can be is boring. And I feel like that's going to be infinitely more destructive to the franchise than yeah. you know any kind of weird putting the alien uh, president stuff. But to kind of end this off, Steve, do you know what she said at the end of that trailer? No, Nobody messes with my friends. Oh yeah, Sora. Hashtag Nobody messes with my friends. That's where they left me off on, and that's kind of just been echoing in my mind since I watched that trailer. And it's like, this is what you're doing to my franchise, my baby, Yo. my sweet baby, the one that I walked over a mile in eighty-six, eighty-seven degree weather on a hot summer day after cutting my lawn because I didn't have my car working that day, and I walked my butt all the way to GameStop to pick up my day one. Um, reservation of Saints Row 4 I walked down there that's how much I love this franchise I didn't, wa- I, I didn't walk for no GTA 5 I walked for uh-huh. Saints Row and this is how and, and, and I came home and I played it I was like this is trash but I love it But um, yeah. and it's like just to be in this place now where I'm like bored to tears by a trailer I was like never in a million years would I thought I've been in this position not to mention it's been like 
maybe a year since I played a remastered version of Saints Row that was like phenomenal. So they know how to do it. They know what people want. Yet they're, I don't know. We'll see. Again, I could be wrong. It could be amazing, no, and they could have just chose a bad way to reveal it. That's happened before. Uh, to I would other love games, to be so. wrong. I yeah. would love to be completely wrong. Me too. All right, so we'll see soon enough. Hope I've hopefully we get some more footage that convinces me otherwise. Um, uh, for the final story, just a little little tidbit here on Netflix gaming. Um, again from IGN, uh, Taylor Lice. Uh, back in May, it was reported that Netflix had plans to venture into the gaming streaming service. Uh, Netflix has officially announced that subscribers with an Android device can now try out its gaming service. Unfortunately, the feature is currently only in beta available to Netflix subscribers that live in Poland. Uh, Netflix announced two games available right now in their gaming library, Stranger Things The Game and Stranger Things 3 The Game. Both games are playable only on Android devices, but are seemingly installed and played within the Netflix app. Users can expect no ads or in-app purchases when trying out this feature, and Netflix reaffirmed that it will not charge an additional fee to access games in its service. Netflix also notes that the feature is in its very, very early days, with more work to be done to refine its gaming service in a couple of months. Um, in the coming months, sorry. Quote. So this is just a little sort of... Sort of tidbit here because it's something we've been kind of following a while there's been a lot of information that's been kind of leaking and not leaking so now we actually can see it uh in in progress well if you have a video or have have a vpn that shows your netflix in poland um and and, and have an android device um i don't think i know this is testing the grounds um i don't think this is something that I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. You know, the two games they chose are two games that are designed to look like Game Boy games that were run on an app that I believe both of these games already exist in an app. Like, you can just get it from the App Store. Um, I know Stranger Things 3, the game, is on uh, consoles and stuff, but I think that first Stranger Things, the game, was its own app at one point. It was like a free-to-play app to hype up season, one of the seasons of the show. So it makes sense that they were starting with this to sort of test out the feature. I'm more curious to see, one, how well it works, but where does this, are they going to just do Netflix games? Are they going to do, I know they had like that Minecraft story mode thing that worked and they translated that into a game. Is that going to be classified as a game? I know they're in their very early days. Um, this is this is some of that stuff you keep quiet in beta or even alpha because it just doesn't look good when you're like we're going to choose these two basically glorified apps and we're going to now put it inside of netflix so you can launch it straight from your netflix app um only on android devices so it's like a weird thing again i get it they're kind of just laying the ground for it it's a cool thing because it's not being extra charged or anything like that and when it's a little bit more of a sweetened deal i think it may be able to do something especially if you work with whether it be a PC, PlayStation, or Xbox, I think it'll be cool. But it's just kind of just like one of those awkward things where I'm like, why is this being publicly shown? You should have kept this on some low ground beta until you have a little bit more substantial way to show and more places available. Uh, I, I'm not sure why Poland was chosen for it, um, but it is uh, slightly interesting. What do you think of this? Uh, yeah, so yeah, obviously this was reported some time ago, and I thought it wasn't a terrible idea. I, they already have the infrastructure for, mm -hmm. you know, because they're the the foremost streaming giant, so they have the infrastructure to kind of support a kind of, uh, 
storefront or, or streaming front of the library of different games that you can play. Um, it's very interesting that they're launching in, in Poland. That's not uncommon for beta tests to kind of choose like a specific country that you have a specific uh, base of people. Only internally would they have the information mm -hmm. of why they've chosen Poland. So obviously we, we can only speculate on that. Um, it seems rather bare bones to, to do a beta test on. Uh, I, I don't know how Netflix betas normally look, but uh, um, just two games offering like that, it seems like they're keeping it relatively tame. But again, it's two games they own. So, uh, you know, those would I imagine be like, you know, top tier peak optimized for the service. Uh, I'm curious to see how ambitious they would like to get with uh, this, the gaming sector of their offering. Are they interested in going full Stadia and Luna with their own, you know, uh, controller and everything like that? The Netflix controller, part of your streaming mm -hmm. app. It's already built into the TV, so, you know, it's just li little an update. You pair a controller with it and you can stream games within the app. Uh, I'm just curious to see what their intentions are for this service, or is it something light that they want to just complementary? Uh, complement their already streaming activity so you're gonna have they're gonna use this gaming service for sure the little stranger things things they'll have here and there maybe a platformer here and there but mostly for maybe like interactive type uh movies and shows and stuff mm -hmm. like that maybe i i don't know what their intentions are for that or maybe yeah they want to go full game streaming service or or maybe you can even find a way to download it onto your your tv or something like that um and be able to seamlessly you know stream things in like a stadia or something like that uh if they do yeah. it like that i'd be very again i'm super fascinated by these kind of weird ventures into a market that is not 100 percent there yet like stadia and luna are doing uh which is why i bought a stadia why i intend on buying a luna because i'm just fascinated by mm -hmm. i want to see who makes it <laughs> and i want to see who's the one because one day somebody's going to get the streaming thing all the way right right um as of right now it seems like it's probably gonna be xcloud that's gonna be able to be the one doing mm -hmm. it uh not to mention because microsoft and sony teamed up to be able to work on streaming tech together um and it's gonna be manifesting in xcloud um so my guess is probably gonna be xcloud uh stadia is probably not gonna make it luna i mean amazon's a massive company so who knows what luna is gonna eventually turn into over time uh they have the cap at not that Google doesn't, but Amazon has the capital to play around for long periods of time. Um, and, and, and Google just has a penchant, not that they don't have the money to it, but they have the penchant of shuttering things early. So I don't think they have the willingness to stick around that maybe mm -hmm. Amazon might. Because, again, Amazon operated on a loss for a really long time. Like, I mean, over a decade, I think they operated on a loss uh, before they started making money on their core adventure. So it wouldn't yep. surprise me if they're willing to take a massive loss on Luna just to figure out the streaming thing over time um, and then just get it right one day. I That wouldn't surprise me at all, just knowing the track record of that company. Um, and so Netflix is in a different position. They're a lot smaller. They're a massive company, obviously. Don't get it twisted. But they're a lot smaller than Google and Amazon are. Um, and they've already tried to move more into original content to not to spend that money to maintain the licenses of bringing in new titles. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. Working with third-party companies. They try to make things internally these days um, and not make these deals with other companies and stuff like that. They want to own everything. So it makes me wonder, for a gaming service, are they 
it would kind of be like two steps back to try to have to pay the Ubisofts to pay the EAs to bring your games as opposed to having game people make games for Netflix to house on there much like their programming slate so if you've paid attention to Netflix in the past maybe three years or so they've tried to make a lot more original programming as opposed to buying existing programming and bringing it to Netflix if that makes sense and a lot of people haven't noticed that but they've released some statements indicating that that's their intention which is why you'll have uh uh, a lot of you know like like the office going back to the places and stuff like that and they're they're more interested in having netflix made things netflix original series netflix original anime um and so i would imagine if they're keeping in line with that strategy they're probably going to be intent on making netflix original games or or, or bringing in some yeah. very skilled developers to make games exclusively for netflix as netflix owned games not netflix buying out the license to have the newest Far Cry or have the newest Tomb Raider uh, like Stadia is trying to do. So my guess is that Netflix is trying to do probably something fundamentally different that's going to probably have a similar strategy to their streaming strategy just because I think that's the only thing that's financially viable for them, if that's my guess. No, yeah, no, I, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. So uh, that, it, it's early. We don't have a lot of information. So this is something I'm going to keep on my radar again. This was originally reported in May. Obviously, we're not getting a beta announcement here until very late August. So it, it's, it might be a number of more months until we get more information. And we'll probably get more information when this leaves Poland and is launched mm-hmm. worldwide. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get like uh, regional betas. So they might have Poland that might explore, expand to some other parts of Europe as well. Maybe mm-hmm. get launched uh, someplace in North America, maybe Africa, Asia. So they're probably going to launch it regionally. And as things launch, they'll probably have different sets of games, maybe new games to test out on their service. And then we'll probably have more information uh, for you guys. But I think it's very interesting because I'm just so fascinated to see that with streaming that's kind of motivated all these companies to finally jump into the gaming sphere once upon a time yeah like like in the late 80s there was a time where everybody wanted to jump into gaming because of the console resurgence uh Mm -hmm. and and everybody had mattel panasonic magnavox everybody was in the gaming industry once upon a time from like 79 to maybe like 86 um and so and, and and that's when you get things like uh, Apple's Pippin for example where like they mm-hmm. wanted to jump into the console space where it seems like now streaming has brought in the second wave of that where all these non-gaming companies are like oh maybe this is the way to get into the gaming industry because I feel like everybody wants a piece of the pie but nobody's willing to take the L that Microsoft PlayStation and Nintendo do um, uh, especially I mean if you want to see what it can cost look at Sega that that's what happens mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. really super flop um, it, it comes at a great cost. So th- I feel like streaming is probably the way that they're like, well, it's existing technology. Uh, it's a format that people are aware of because of you know video streaming and stuff like that. Maybe this is the safest way for us to dip our toes in. So I don't think it's going to end with Google, Amazon, and Netflix. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a whole bunch of other companies jump into this and try to find their way and try to carve out their space in the game industry. And ultimately, it's probably going to settle on one or two major hitters outside of the existing major three that will might be able to hold it down in the streaming space, but uh, only time will tell. No, yeah, absolutely. 
All right, so that was uh, the show for you guys. Just under two hours, so good length for us. Yeah, yeah, Normally, yeah. we only hit this length when you know, like it's like a console launch or something like that. So mm-hmm. big stories this week. But uh, hopefully, we'll have some more uh, stuff for you guys in two weeks when we're back. Uh, this has been the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabril, and I'm with Steve. Hope you guys enjoyed, and we'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye. <laughs>